Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. I have been with my husband 36 years next month. And in many ways, he's the same man I fell in love with, but in other ways, he is quite different. Neither of us remains exactly the same person we were so many years ago. But there is one thing that I do know about my husband. He loves me and never intends to hurt me. So in the few times I have been hurt and it came from his direction, I assumed he was missing an important piece of information that I had not yet shared with him. Now, he would be open to this information, and then we would resume our life together. But when many couples stumble into that gap, they get lost or misspeak or don't understand, and the relationship goes downhill. And unfortunately, sometimes it never recovers. And that's what today's show is about, what to do when you run face first into one of these gaps between you and your partner. So to help unlock this topic, I'm joined once again by author and relationship coach, Matt Frey. Matt, thanks so much for coming back again and being a guest in talking about relationships because, of course, that's what this show is about. <laughs> so um, thanks. Thank you. I, um, I like it every time. Thanks for, uh, yeah. thanks for asking me again. So this subject, this subject of the gap, of, of people kind of running into these things that they might not know about each other. You take it on, head on, in an article that you titled, What's Hiding in the Gaps Within Your Relationship? So can you more clearly define what a gap is and why they exist in all relationships? I believe, I, I, I think of a gap as the difference between what we might believe about someone, about like who they are or about what they mm-hmm. think or about what they feel versus what's actual and, um, you know, what's, what's absolute truth, so to speak. And it's really hard to know unless mm-hmm. there's a lot of really, really healthy communication um, <laughs> or it's, you know, somehow verifiable. You know, sometimes there's a gap between something that's factual based that we could look up and, you know, we're mm-hmm. mistaken about it. And there's, you know, a million instances in my life where I thought I understood something to be true and then, you know, it turned out not to be. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, but, but that, you know, it gets really nuanced when that starts becoming applied to, specifically in this case, a human being with which we have uh, an important relationship, usually mm-hmm. a romantic partner or a spouse. And when we believe things about who they are that isn't quite true or about what they feel that isn't quite true or about how they perceive our actions and it isn't quite true, it, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of emotional landmines there that sort of inadvertently harm relationships, that inadvertently erode trust. And I think we get into this cycle of, uh, of doing that, that most people do this in their relationships, not to be hurtful, but because they fundamentally mm-hmm. don't understand. And I think, I think we need to make more room in our lives for considering what we don't know, what we don't understand. I think everyone rushes to judgment and these, everyone that's a little hyperbolic, but like most people right. rush to judgment. And, and so when somebody behaves out of like 
line with our expectations. Mm. We say so in a way that usually results in a really unpleasant conversation. Um, not, it sounds like you and your husband haven't done that very many times, but I perceive that to be really common scenario for like the average dating or married couple. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and it's, I think kind of what you're talking about is, is one of the things that I try to encourage with the people that I work with is I call it giving your partner the benefit of the doubt, right? Um, you know, it's, but, but when we're hurt, you know, we actually do have our primal brain that takes over and, you know, and, and we try to protect ourselves. And so we're not always the most calm, rational human beings when, when we're hurt. Um, and knowing how to deal with that and not make matters worse, not, cause I mean, a lot of times, and, and it's one of the things that I refuse to let the people that I work with do is make a, some, is, is make statements of fact about what the other person is thinking or feeling. You did, you did this because, like, whoa, 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 or, or, you, or you felt this. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I always talk about the, the movie Freaky Friday, and it's like there are no magic fortune cookies. You, I mean, unless you can literally get into your partner's body and know, yes, this is what they're thinking or this is what they're feeling, you're making an assumption, which that's what that gap is, Right. Um, that's exactly what it is, but it's funny. I, uh, it's funny. We sometimes both gently, um, approach this from like the other direction <laughs> and what I am commonly talking to the people that I'm working with about is that while, while I agree and, and I appreciate so much that it's not necessarily appropriate for somebody to make a factual statement that is in fact unfactual about what their mm-hmm. partner is or isn't trying to do or isn't, isn't feeling. I try to get people to be more considerate of how that person is experiencing. And I'm so glad you brought up the word like hurt or pain mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when people experience pain and then our response to them communicating that they're in pain is that they're not in pain or that they shouldn't mm-hmm. be or that if they mm-hmm. are, it's not our fault. I mm-hmm. 100% understand why that cycles into <laughs> conflict, but most specifically why it cycles into mistrust and how a relationship mm-hmm. that doesn't get that under control is eventually doomed to fail. Right, because, and you know, and this is, you know, we can only use ourselves as the template. We, we, we only have access, you know, real access to our own thoughts, feelings, and experiences. Now, again, we don't have, you know, I don't, I don't have to be hit by a car to know that it hurts. But, um, right. but, but, but again, that's through my experience, right? I mean, um, and this is one of the things where I think this is, contributes to the gap and contributes to what you were just talking about, that if I wouldn't feel this way, then it doesn't make sense that you do. And instead of becoming curious about it, because I don't, I don't want to accept, and I'm going to get into a little thing here, being the source of your pain, because that's not exactly factually correct, but for the sake of conversation, we're going to go there, that I don't want to be responsible in any way for your pain. It's easier if you just don't feel that, because I wouldn't feel it. So why are you, so, so what's the problem here? You just described my marriage and why I don't have one anymore. Um, that was exactly the math I used to navigate that situation. I don't calculate, when I think through this, 
that it makes sense for you to feel pain, either because I don't believe the event that happened is painful or Mm -hmm. because I think you're like being overly sensitive. Like maybe it's Mm -hmm. negative, but you are blowing it out of proportion. You're being overly dramatic about it. And I Mm -hmm. expected my wife to calibrate her emotions and the way she thought about pain to the way I guess I thought and felt about it. I think that's Mm -hmm. where I landed. And I guess what I would go back to is this idea that when somebody communicates that something's wrong, that they're hurt, and that it's, it's as a result, that's, I really want to get better at not because you did this or because mm-hmm. of you. Yes. It's, it's mm-hmm. not that. It's not that we make people feel bad. It's that mm-hmm. sometimes people feel bad as a mm-hmm. result of something we do or say or don't do or don't say. And I mm-hmm. think if we want to have a healthy relationship with them, we need to accept responsibility for modifying what we do and say. So on the other side of the equal sign, it doesn't equal them being hurt, them being whatever negative mm-hmm. thing they experienced as a result of what we did prior. And I think right. the decision to double down on what I'm doing is fine and what you're feeling is wrong, I think it amounts mm-hmm. to emotional neglect at best and emotional abuse at worst. Not that the person doing it is a neglectful abuser, but that the person on the other side of the equal sign will feel the equivalent of neglect and abuse, whether we think they should or not. Exactly. And, and in this particular case, perception is reality. So what are some of the common things that, that people stubbornly hold onto as facts about their partners when in actuality they're only beliefs? kind of think that you summed it up really, really well with the idea that we default to our own experiences, meaning when event X happens and I feel pain, it makes sense for other people to feel pain. Like, I Uh get that. And Uh so I think a person generally shows up in a very understanding, empathetic way when there's like a shared experience there. And then sometimes Uh there isn't. And, you know, the most popular thing I ever written remains this article, she divorced me because I left dishes by the sink. The idea being, the idea being is a glass sitting next to the sink worthy mm-hmm. of being elevated to something that hurts a person or that, that causes them to feel disrespected or that we should give enough credence to, to like, consider a, a relationship problem, an erosion of right. pride. And the debate about something like that, I think is a very serious one. So when you say stubbornly cling to beliefs, I really think it's just that. I think it's, although I don't want to accuse the person that feels disrespected, that feels pain, as stubbornly clinging to a belief, but I would say that I stubbornly clung to the belief that a glass sitting next to a sink simply does not matter. Or that a piece of laundry I might put on a piece of furniture in our room that no one else but her and I could ever see was mm-hmm. not worthy of being some sort of like marital conflict. Mm-hmm. And that me doing that was not a sign that I don't love her or don't care about her. And it uh, took me a very long time to like well, really understand that, that it's not as simple as the, the pair of jeans on the piece of furniture equals I don't love you. That's not it. It's, uh, it's this thing adversely affects you, and I refuse to accept responsibility for not doing things or protecting and, you in some way from things that adversely affect you. 
but but this is the the description of this is what leads in my belief to the insidious breakdown of relationships because and and um and it's interesting because because you and I have been arguing opposite sort of opposite sides of this for a while uh, but the idea that okay the message that gets taken away from the dish on the sink or the jeans on the you know on on the chair is that you that there's an intention to cause harm now i get i do get the gap we're talking about the gap between um yes it isn't it is something that needs to be talked about and and some kind of resolution to be reached and that requires um, adaptability by both partners but again you know when when we say you know when, when we say well you said that to hurt me or you did that to hurt me it's like well but but, but that's also a stubborn belief yes right thank that. you yeah no thank you for filling in that side of it I, I couldn't agree more I couldn't agree more that that is also harmful to relationships um, at the end of the day, this idea of trust existing in a relationship is far and away the thing I believe is most important for relationship mm-hmm. health to be maintained. People, must, people can love each other to pieces but not trust each other, yeah. and their relationship mm-hmm. will suffer immensely for it. Trust is so key. And so I can't trust my wife if I accuse her or, or I perceive her to be like, hurling unfair accusations about my character and my intentions at me. And I did, admittedly, kind of think that about my wife. Now, uh-huh. and I think the counterside to that and the way that I've come to think about it and talk about it is the idea that while in a vacuum, a conversation about an isolated thing like a dish by the sink or a piece of laundry um, mm-hmm. is, is, is it's, it's, I mean, I think it's ludicrous. And I actually think <laughs> my wife and most wives would totally agree with that. I think mm-hmm. I've learned how to be more precise in the way that I speak about it. I don't think the piece of laundry or the dish by the sink hurts. I think what hurts is the idea that I am married to somebody who does not consider the yeah. way I feel about things when they make decisions. Like he or she either doesn't know because they forget. They, I'm not important enough to them to remember and care mm-hmm. about how I feel or they do know because we've talked about this a thousand times over five years, uh-huh. 10 years, 20 years, and they still do it anyway. The only thing I conclude can conclude is that they don't think I matter, that they don't love me, that they don't care about me. Or even if they do, they're always going to care and love themselves like more than me. Like they're mm-hmm. always going to choose themselves over me. And I don't know if I'm willing yeah. to remain in a relationship in which that's the power dynamic. And I get that. Well, and, and, and I agree, and, and so you're talking about the, the trust, and, and we briefly mentioned at the beginning the communication. And, you know, communication is much more than just opening your mouth and talking. <laughs> and, and how do we effectively understand, and this is where the, I would call it the cross hurt. Um, because you know, John Gottman and his four horsemen and um, contempt being you know, pretty much the nail in the coffin when that shows up in relationships where, where we are assassinating people's character. We're not talking about 
this behavior is not okay, but you as a person are not okay. And once that enters into the, into the dialogue, then it's impo- it is impossible to trust because this, this yeah. person who is supposed to love me is, you know, keeps chopping me off at the knees no, or worse, right. stabbing me in the heart. Yeah. You know, it sounds like you're married to somebody and I'm so grateful and think it's so amazing <laughs> and I'm jealous that I wasn't that. Um, but that someone that, that didn't necessarily default to some of these sort of like verbal patterns that so many of the people I talked to in the way that I did, it just, it doesn't, it sounded like he was more receptive to engaging in these conversations. And, and I, I suspect Leslie, because you probably were very mindful of the words you chose maybe in a way that, because I honestly did feel attacked sometimes. And right. the thing I would say, if I were to be critical of my wife and I work really hard at not being critical I, I know. specifically, but I mean through the prism of like history, um, mm-hmm. I would say if she did anything quote unquote wrong, it was she never tried a different communication method. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? She didn't like, yes. she didn't say, okay, it's been 10 years and our conversations <laughs> are always the same. And I'm not trying to alleviate myself of responsibility. I swear no, no. because it, it really is on me. But, but had she tried a communication strategy that, that would appeal to, you know, my sense of curiosity over my inclination to judge her thoughts mm-hmm. and feelings as being incorrect, it would have really, really helped. Um, so again, it's not on her, but it would have right. been useful. It would well, have been. And, and, and I have to say that when my husband and I first got together, I, I mean, he's always been like this. I have not, I, I can be, I mean, I, I can be mean down in the dirt, <laughs> fighting, scratching, but I mean, I, mm, I have learned not to <laughs> um, because it's not healthy. And luckily I was, I wasn't met with that in return. So I was given the opportunity to grow up, which I am eternally grateful to him for, which is why we've been together for 36 years. Um, I just want to remind you that this is happily ever after is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm talking with author and relationship coach, Matt Frey about how what you believe to be true about your partner or your marriage may actually not be. And now holding tight to that belief may be causing real and lasting damage. If you think that might be happening in your relationship and you want things to be better, I can help. I invite you to take a moment and send me an email or give me a call to schedule your free, no obligation, create your happily ever after discovery session. You can reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com. Or you can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. That's 919-924-0463. And now back to this conversation about gaps in your relationship and how we can get through them. So Matt, you, in, in your article, you made a call for more humility and hope in relationships, which I'm all over that. So what does that look like, and why is it so important? Well, I, I, I think it begins with the idea that we are not all-knowing. Like we just don't know everything. And there's some people that are not aware of that, and they do think they know everything, right? And you encounter them in life, and it's always unpleasant. And I think <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, 
I think, frankly, I, I might have accidentally showed up that way. It's not, it's not how I think of myself as like a know-it-all, but I do mm-hmm. believe I sort of like showed up in a relationship that way. Um, but, but there are people who are intellectually aware that they don't know everything, and they, mm-hmm. they have a certain amount of humility about them that's lovely. But when the event happens, when someone walks in the room and says, hey, this bad thing happened and I feel bad about it, we still do the instinctive nanosecond calculation as to whether we agree that it makes sense for them to have arrived Mm -hmm. at that conclusion and whether we believe the same things and feel the same things. And so begins, if we're not disciplined about it, if we're not really mindful about it, so begins Mm -hmm. what I call the same fight. It's the same fight that always happens when we're not very mindful of the words we use, um, which I, I appreciate. It sounds to me like you are very intentional about people's language when they speak. You have said that over mm-hmm. and over again in our conversations, and I really appreciate it because it's mm-hmm. a huge part of this. huge part of, like, being in a relationship is learning how to be disciplined with the, the words we use and how they might be perceived and felt by another human being. Yeah, and it's, and it's not easy. So what steps can a person or a couple take to start to address these gaps in, in a more productive way? So you have asked the question that today all of my work is based on. So when mm-hmm. I have somebody reaches out to me and they want to enter a potential, you know, coaching, coachy relationship, my first message to them is, I don't think you're a bad person, and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily even think you do, quote, unquote, bad things. I'm right. like, if you are a bad person or you do do bad things, it's well above my pay grade and there are other people in the world you should be talking to. But mm-hmm. I am under the impression, this is, what I'm, this is me talking to them, that you're not mm-hmm. into usually the guy in the relationship. I don't think you're a bad person, and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think your actions can be objectively labeled as bad but I want you to consider that despite your positive intentions and despite like your perceptions that your spouse feels something negative Uh on the other side of the equal sign as the result of something you do or don't do or something that Uh you might not understand or that you're not paying attention to. So I focus on not trying to solve some character defect, but on trying to build habits. And I, habits is such an important word to me because it, it um, sort of eliminates this idea of defensiveness. I think people are prone to being defensive when they know they're not trying to hurt anybody. Right. And then they discover someone's being hurt. I'm, I used to get very defensive about that. And it's because, <laughs> well, hell, you shouldn't feel hurt. I would never try to hurt you. I would actually right. turn that around and be offended that they would be mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? I'm your, I'm your husband. I'm the person who, like, does the most for you and you're acting Uh like I'm, like, out to get you. Um, No, it's just that after you add up all the things that happen on the other side of the equal sign, my wife felt pain sometimes. And Uh I think of it as a result, and I I focus on two habits very specifically. The first habit is to eliminate invalidation from our conversation patterns. And so I already touched on this earlier. My wife comes into the room. And she says, hey, Matt, a bad thing happened, and I feel, you know, I feel hurt or sad or afraid or something or angry, whatever. Uh-huh. 
And then there are three ways I would invalidate my wife over and over and over again. And like everybody I talk to does this too. Uh-huh. They, the, the first way I would say is, wait a minute, what you're saying happened didn't happen. It happened a different <laughs> way. Yeah. Therefore, your feelings are based on like, you know, kind of like a bullshit interpretation right. of non-reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So boom, your, your feelings are invalid because they're based on incorrect information. I would try to like correct her. The second mm-hmm. way I would invalidate my wife is to say, yeah, that's exactly what happened, but why do you feel that way about it? It doesn't make mm-hmm. sense for you to be feeling this hurt, this emotional about it. You're being dramatic. Here's a healthier mm-hmm. way to think about it. <laughs> and then the third way is, Matt, I feel bad, a bad thing happened. And then the, the inclination to defend oneself. So explanation, yes. defensiveness, justification can be invalidation when we prior- conversationally when we prioritize the defense of our character, which might not even be under attack, at the expense of giving any credence to the idea that harm was caused because of something right. I did or didn't do or said or didn't say. And so there's a habit in there somewhere. And I, I personally call it judgment um, because I don't know what else to call it. Um, mm-hmm. but, but most importantly, when we operate on our default setting without mindfully practicing a new way of doing things, I think it makes perfect sense for a high character person with a really high functioning brain to say, wait, it didn't happen that way. Or wait, mm-hmm. you don't need to feel that way about it because I don't want you to feel hurt. Here is an alternative way to consider this and think about it and feel about it because I don't want you mm-hmm. to be suffering. And then the third way is to legitimately believe you did the right thing, that, that you absolutely like, made the right choices. And, and I get all three of those responses because I – I did it. It wasn't some, some gross attempt to manipulate my wife. These were my honest reactions. And what I've come to understand is that they're invalidating. And when you invalidate people conversationally, they feel hurt and they trust you less. And we erode trust by invalidating our partners every time we do this little song and dance with them. You do it for five years, for 10 years, for 20 years. Well, then right. th- there's, no, there's no trust left. And uh, well, so and, begins like a lot of bad stuff. Yeah, and I and I want to because you know, this is what I what I need people to understand is that both people are are adding things to eat, you know to, to to the side of the equation that this isn't just a one way street. And to reiterate what you said, which is so incredibly important, is. Most people are not ill-intended. They really do love their spouses. I mean, I've been doing this work for 20 years, and I don't even need one hand to count the number of what I would call really bad people. I mean, people who just, (laughs) it's like, you know, it's like, okay, I don't want to deal with you because you're you're not a nice person. Um, It's mostly they, you and I love the, the focus on habits because that's what we do over and over and over again, be, not because we're not because we're ill-intended, but because it's worked for us in the past and it's yeah. not working now. So I'm just going to do more of it, right? I mean, yeah. you know, and as opposed to what you said about you know your wife maybe approaching you in a in a different way, and you know this is what you and I this is what you and I do. You know, we we are out here. I mean to sincerely help people, to keep them out of the ditch. Um, and, you know, and, and it really is learning new habits. 
but that's so hard. No, it is. It is so hard. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's simple, but very yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, I don't think it's complicated. I just think no. it requires a, a lot of will. If I may, habit number two mm-hmm. um, falls under the umbrella of the word. The word that I use for habit two is is consideration. So, what mm-hmm. I've heard from wives, and, I, and let, let me, if I may, tangent for one moment to say, and I appreciate you bringing balance to this conversation. Um, I am in total agreement that none of this is one way. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, when I'm talking to clients, I don't think him and I or she and I focusing on what their partner can do better is very useful. It's it's, because I don't work with couples, right? I just work individually and I'm for radical personal responsibility. And I would expect that to be reciprocated. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a, a healthy relationship only works when both people are trying to invest in it and give in it. So I yeah. absolutely don't think this is a one-way street. But so many of the – but I wanted to say that because I'm usually hearing this from wives. And right. the wives say to me, Matt, I feel as if I'm married to somebody who does not consider me when he makes decisions. And mm-hmm. so the pain is not the dish. The pain is not – the, the genius, lack yeah. of text message communication yeah. or the laundry. It is right. the notion that I'm married to somebody who thinks so little of me that he either intentionally does things he understands to hurt me or it doesn't even occur to him to consider it. I am, mm-hmm. I am so low in his priority list day in and day out. The average mom, the average wife I talk to says to wake up. I mean, I'm, I'm, sort of putting words in their mouth, but I wake up every day and there's no decision I make that does not factor in how my husband, how my children will be impacted by the choices that I make. That is just routine behavior for me. Mm -hmm. And my husband wakes up and he just lives his life. You know, he doesn't (laughs) do anything necessarily overtly harmful, but he wakes up and he showers, he puts clothes on and he goes to work and he fails almost 24-7 to consider how all the things he's not paying attention to adversely affect me or adversely affect the children. And, and I get how that feels abandoning and neglectful to people because I was at a front row seat to that. I just didn't know how to accurately describe it at the time. Right. And, and, and part of this is learned behavior. Um, and I know there was a, um, there's a blogger that I follow and she, she was doing a, a series on emotional load and, you know, the, the, the idea that women carry more of the emotional load of the family, yeah. which, you know, I get, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, you know, um, but, but it's the idea that it's not discussed that it's, you know, that, that some of this stuff is assumed. And, you know, it, it, and if somebody, you know, if, if, you know, somebody, if I get up and, and my entire day is all taken care of, why, it, why would I jump to the conclusion that the other person isn't doing this because they want to? And so we go back into this communication, this idea of talking about what's working and what's not working in a way that is really being heard. And it was interesting because you talked about, I don't know if you're familiar with this research, um, 
but you're talking about when when getting defensive right <laughs> when we you know we we hear something it's interpreted as, as an attack and oh by the way that's not a conscious process where we feel defensive that's an actual biological survival instinct process that happens in our in our lower brain that literally disconnects our cognitive thinking. I mean, it's it, I mean, this, this is like something I've just been learning. And it's like, I mean, I knew it happened. I didn't realize how fast it happened. And so this is what happens. And this is why we have to, we have to help. We have to get out of this attack, defense, counterattack you know, process that, that couples find themselves in because they don't know how to really talk about this stuff. That's right. Okay, so unfortunately, we've hit the time because I, you, you and I could have conversations for days about this, but um, I want you to be able to share where people can learn more about you, about your writing, about the work that you do. Thank you. I have a blog called MustBeThisTallToRide.com. Um, I haven't been very active on it because I've been working on a really big writing project, which will come out in about mm-hmm. a year, and I'm pretty excited about that. Um, mm-hmm. But I uh, intend to start blogging again very, very soon. And um, there's that, and I show up at places like The Good Men Project and sort of other online publications on a case-by-case basis, and um, you know, that's pretty much where. Well, terrific, and I'm going to be so, I, and I'm so excited about the project that's coming up in a year, and people will hear more about it when it gets closer to it. Um, so I just want you to know that I've, been, I've long been a proponent of giving your partner the benefit of the doubt, that if there are several ways to interpret what your partner is doing, choose the one that puts them in the best possible light. And when you do this, it will change your approach to them and in turn change theirs with you. And it will change your relationship for the better, which is what I'm all about. And so hopefully you'll keep listening to the show, keep um, following my guests like Matt. And until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.